Hello. Hello. Jack and Jackie in the office chillin'. Spoonami. And welcome to the Spoonami podcast, episode number six. Today we have a few different things to go over before uh, we have a special guest come on to talk about some really important topics in today's political climate and media. But first we want to start off with some fun things. So let's hop into it. it today, know, today it's just Jackie and I. So first we're just going to talk about the Seahawks. Beautiful, beautiful win over yeah. the Eagles. It was kind of ugly, but the win is a win. You know, no. all, all that matters is what happened in that fourth quarter, which was we got that dub. Yes, you know? yes. You Last know. minute, down to the second. Recently, shout out to my boy Elon Musk. He released the Tesla truck. The Tesla truck. I'm so I, excited. I'm sure you all saw the, the meme that was shatterproof glass that literally shattered as soon as he threw a brick or whatever it was at it. I know a couple of people who already pre-ordered it. It's like what? $30? Jackie. It's like $30,000. Oh, no. The car, it's truck itself is at least 50, uh, $50,000. And I'm going to look it up right now. How much is... The pre-order is only $100, though. But while oh, he's, pre-order. Gotcha. Yeah, while he's looking at it, you know, shout out to Disney+. Plus. We already all, <laughs> our group already found our own annual Disney+. Plus. So shout out to Disney for letting us watch all your stuff. So it's the $100 deposit, but it's $39,900 for the Tesla truck. Okay, but Just knowing Tesla, the different add-ons, there's going to... It's not terrible. It's not terrible. We got uh, Disney Plus, as I'm sure many of you have, being college students. It's like amazing. What, it, what has been your favorite thing to watch so far on Disney Plus? So far, we watched Freaky Friday. Out of all the things. Did you watch any of the new stuff, like The Mandalorian or. Not yet. Alright, here's a hot take. The new high school musical, the oh. musical, the series, it's not terrible, alright? I saw the first, like, little bit of it. Not terrible. So I would say give it a try and. Decide for yourself. All right, we're going to cut that out. And the <laughs> question of the week is, what's your favorite Christmas song? You go for it, Jackie. What, what do you think so far? Jackie's currently looking up Christmas songs because he doesn't actually I, know. I think the only thing that comes to the top of my mind is this one is kind of Christmassy, but not. It's like, last Christmas, I gave you my heart. And it says Christmas day. in it. It's, it's a Christmas song. Yeah, so that sounds kind of sad. I don't know. I like all the ones that need, should be changed. <laughs> yeah. I really like, you know, the Mariah Carey version of... Uh... With Justin Bieber? What? Oh, never mind. No. Oh, I, I do like Drummer Boy. Drummer Boy with featuring Justin Bieber. Or not featuring, he is the the, the one who's... Yeah. Like, his version of it. Okay. You know? Pretty, pretty good. You know, and also... Uh... Yeah. Let's hope he drop his album. So you guys go to his Instagram page, find a post, and give it 20 million likes. Yeah, shout out to JB, you know. Yeah. Gotta drop that new album. But anyways... That about does it for our news section, and now we will be having special guest Theo come on. He's a student here at SPU. He has some topics that he's really passionate about he's going to share with us. And we'll be going over Hong Kong protests, and this subject is not light, as we usually do for our podcast. So and I just want to say beforehand, obviously through the, the form of a podcast, we can't share with you every single link and every single resource that we talk about. But I just want to encourage you guys, you might hear some things today and you might question and be like, is that true? Is that not true? But I just want to encourage you to do your, do your own research, look things up, and not and take everything with a grain of salt. Don't take things for granted, and really figure out for yourself what you believe to be true and what's not true. But anyways, we're going to have a good, good discussion, and here's Theo. Matt, Jack, and Jackie in the office, chillin'! Spoonami. Welcome back to the Spoonami Podcast. 
And our special guest today is Theo Chow. For those that doesn't know him, he's studying psychology. Well, why, why don't you let the guy okay, speak for himself? Well, hi guys. Well, I guess, yeah, like Jackie said, um, I'm a third year at SBU and I study psychology. Wow, really? I didn't know that. Now you do. Did you actually not? It's okay. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, we'll keep going. But, um, oh yeah, what do you want to do with psychology? Do you guys want to, you guys should you want this on the podcast? Yeah, no, this is... No, we, we honestly blah. keep everything. We everything just keep everything. It's not. Like, this I'm editing. We, we edit the filler words. So, like, for example, uh, uh, and, I, me, mm-hmm. So those we edit. Okay, so yeah. So you're majoring in psychology. Do you have any, like, plans to do with that, like, after college? Anything you want to vocationally? For psychology? I think that mental health is something that's not given as much priority as it should in our current world, especially in the corporate world, even like among children for like school and that kind of thing. So that's why I'm studying psychology so I can go into, I'm not entirely sure which area, but I'm sure I'll find a path, something that helps with mental health issues. There's a lot of stigma around mental health, but also mental health does not, I should say the lack of mental illness does not equate to mental health. For example, being able to have healthy relationships, being able to find satisfaction in your work and at school, I think those are important parts of what I want to encourage in whatever career I end up being in. Okay. And what kind of drew you towards that? (laughs) I think we've all had struggles internally, one way or another. We all have our Mm -hmm. own history. Mm -hmm. I acknowledge that I have had mine, Mm -hmm. and I'd like to... I would like to not have people I would like to be there for someone when they're going through the same things mm. well, that's that's pretty good honestly <laughs> that's something that my... more than I thought out yeah. about what I want to do with my degree so that's very cool yeah. does that also or... make you have to go into a PhD or I've considered that um, my plan right now is to after getting my after getting my postgrad I'll think about well I want to get more work experience because mm. once you talk about postgrad you get really specialized mm-hmm. into one area or one field. Mm-hmm. So I want to be more sure about like the workplace, so I'm going to get more practical experience before actually deciding if I want to go into grad school and what field in that. You want to have a better idea, a more refined idea. Of yeah, a better direction area. of gotcha. where I want to. Okay. Thank you for sharing some, a little bit about yourself personally. And then we have a, a few ideas of what we want to cover today. Do you mind kind of sharing about some of your personal passions or some things that recently or just over the course of your entire life just things that you've been really passionate about. I mean, overall, I guess I've enjoyed hanging out with people a lot. Mm-hmm. So that's one nice. thing. I mean, in my free time, I game, I draw, I like reading. What so kind of games? Things. Usually mobile games. Okay, it depends. Gotcha. Shuffle through a bunch of things. More recently, something that's been a lot on my mind is the Hong Kong incident. You've heard about the protests that mm-hmm. have been happening there. Oh, wow. So can you give us like a background of what the government is like in Hong Kong versus China to give people a general update and just some basic knowledge. Yeah, I feel like if we're talking about the protests in Hong Kong, it's definitely, you, you cannot get a clear idea with, of it without first knowing how, what China's background is like. So for example, let's see, you guys know what the Great Wall of China is, but have you heard of the Great Firewall of China? No. <laughs> I don't know how common this term is, but this is referred to like, you know, for example, Google and YouTube cannot be used in China. Mm-hmm. Okay. So something like that. They censored a lot of things on the internet. For example, here's a silly example, but someone put out like a meme about how Xi Jinping, which is the Chinese president, looks a lot mm-hmm. like Winnie the Pooh. 
and they censored okay. Winnie the Pooh. So now if you're in China, you cannot find Winnie the Pooh on the internet. That's an example of it. Another thing is Tiananmen Square on a more right. serious note. You right. guys have all definitely heard that. It's yeah. an incident where mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands of students were killed as they protest against the government. Tiananmen Square, as long as other keywords related it to it, like it's also called the June 4th incident. Those search terms also will not show you anything on the Chinese website. Do you know like approximately, you don't have to give like specific dates, but how long have they had this hold on, in this case the internet, but just on the people in general, has it been? I don't know exactly, but I do know that after Tiananmen Square, they made a lot of, uh, they made a serious effort to try to, I guess, manipulate media. Mm -hmm. For example, prevent other people in their own country from learning about what they've done, or even mm -hmm. in other countries, to try to downplay how serious their actions were. Okay, yeah, that was really good. I kind of know what you're talking about, like how Google was banned because Google Map literally can just look over where their older, like, Air Force, their oh, army really? bases. China was not having it. They are just like, okay, yeah, you're done here. That's This is way too, like, dangerous, their country's sake. Yeah, for sure. China is very totalitarian, very authoritarian. So yeah, that's a little background on China. Mm -hmm. Against democracy, another thing they've done to, I, I guess, silence more democratic or independent points of view mm. is to literally make journalists and book writers disappear. What I mean by disappear is just literally, one day they're there. It's like the secret police back in the days of, you know, the KJV, Russian, right, right. Mm -hmm. Germany, that kind of thing. They'll just kidnap you and you may or may not appear again. They'll <laughs> coerce you to, like, renounce your views. An example of that would be in Hong Kong, I think, I believe in 2015, from the Causeway Bay Books, that was a bookstore. And five booksellers disappeared from that bookstore. And they later showed up, in some of them in mainland China, where some of them, of course, because they had family in China, they denied allegations that they were kidnapped by the Chinese government or interrogated by them. <laughs> by the way, this is a bookstore where some they, they sold some books that were like scandalous in their view of Chinese leaders, mm -hmm. and that's why yeah. they were targeted. Mm -hmm. One of those authors went back to Hong Kong and decided to share his testimony of what happened to him, mm -hmm. which was that he was basically kidnapped and then beaten and threatened. Yeah. But So these are some examples of what China has been doing to tilt the, the media in their own favor. What about the Hong Kong government itself? Are they like kind of like the American government? British. I'm glad you asked that. So when we talk about the Hong Kong government, a little background, you mentioned the British, right? You guys know about Hong Kong's past relationship with Britain? Not too much. I just remember mm -hmm. it was like from the Opium War, mm -hmm. right. ever since right. Great Britain ruled over them, they're like, okay, we had enough, here, you mm -hmm. can have it back, China. <laughs> Basically, yes. After the Opium War, <laughs> nailed like it. you said, yep, nailed it. It was Britain gained Hong Kong as a port city for their trade with China, mm -hmm. and that treaty continued until 1997. So 1997 is like a key date for a lot of people who lived in Hong Kong. Because they knew that they would be going back to Chinese rule, a lot of them wanted to get out of Hong Kong before right. that. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm here today. It's because my parents moved out of Hong Kong because they knew 1997 was approaching. Mm -hmm. So what happened during 1997 was they, China signed an agreement called the Basic Law. Part of what the Basic Law guarantees is that although Hong Kong will be a territory of China and no longer Britain, that they will have legislative independence. In other words, they'll be able to rule themselves independently. And... For 50 years, right? For 50 years, that's correct. 
So until 2047. So if we're talking about, yeah, we're talking about democracy in Hong Kong and how their government works. Another part of the basic law is that it guarantees that, for example, leaders will be elected through universal suffrage. In other words, that people will be able to vote for their leaders. Mm -hmm. Until then, I think until 2007-ish, leaders of Hong Kong, especially the chief executive, were still elected by a committee of, I think, 1,200 people. But those people are mostly composed of business elites and people with ties to Beijing. So those people only have power because Beijing gave them power. And this is where we see the arm of China reaching basically into Hong Kong to take control of their government as well. Current chief executive of Hong Kong, uh, Carrie Lam, whose name is very infamous among Hong Kongers now, um, is also a supporter basically of Beijing and Mm -hmm. was elected with that same committee. So one of the things that the protesters in Hong Kong want today is for universal suffrage and to be able to elect their own leaders. Mm-hmm. Excitingly enough, this weekend, the government was pressured to finally do that. They did allow democratic elections, and there was a landslide victory for the Democratic Party. Okay. Do you guys know what the voter turnout was this year for America's voting? It was pretty... Small, I remember. Yeah, it's never more than 50%. Yeah, so they actually managed to hit 50% this year, which is like record-breaking. And four years ago, uh, in 2014, the election rate was under 40%, 39-something, so it's a pretty small amount. Yeah. So given that in context, but like, you know, in Hong Kong, they've been pushing for this democratic movement for a while. Mm -hmm. There was a 71% voter turnout rate, which is huge. That alone shows the energy behind mm-hmm. what people are feeling. Yeah. Exactly. Even though some people are classifying like the, the protesters as like violent riots, which of course is the message that China wants to spread, you can see that overall the people are in strong support of this. To go back to this whole protest, we need to give them like maybe an understanding of the umbrella movement, what exactly happened and why it's called umbrella movement. Yeah. So the Umbrella Movement happened, I think, between... I have it written down as between September 26th and December 15th in the year 2014. The Umbrella Movement was a direct push for that democratic suffrage we were just talking about. What what happened at that time was that Beijing just said, oh, I believe in 2007, they said, oh, in 2017, we'll give you guys the right to democratically vote. However, the candidates will still be chosen by this committee. In other words, it's not really democratic. They're twisting it. They're twisting it. That's exactly it. That's what those protests were about. It lasted over two months. They were pushing for, they were pushing for that ability to vote for their own leaders. And like Jackie mentioned, why the umbrellas? Well, during the protests, uh, police escalated their retaliation to the protesters as time went on. They would use batons. But one big thing they would use was pepper spray. And so the umbrellas were protection against pepper spray and to a lesser extent tear gas canisters. As in, like a shield almost? Yeah. As is, yes, like the cheapest kind of shield they could use that they could bring around easily. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's why the umbrellas came to be such an important role in the protest, to protect themselves against the, you could say, police brutality. Uh, which at that point was not as serious as it is today. Okay, and speaking of today, like, how did the whole protest happen? As you kind of know, like, 
in America, the protests is just you go to like the Capitol with signs and posters, and you just march around to let our senators or our <clears throat> government people know. But how is it different in Hong Kong? How does it escalate? Yeah. So I think that's a good question. Like it largely escalates because of the silence from the government side. Uh, even during the 2014 Umbrella Movement, uh, protests were eventually stopped because the police kept using more and more force. And so the government never really responded to the people then. And that has continued until now. Uh, but this time the protesters decided we're going to put our foot down and we're going to push until the government responds to us. Mm. So that is how our current round of protests, I guess, have been reignited and blazed on till now. A lot of things have happened. They even have like their own anthem now. Someone wrote, wrote a song like Glory to Hong Kong. Wow. Which very dramatic piece. I can show it to you guys later. Yeah, they did a whole MV with like a full orchestra. Yeah. There's there's a choir in like full riot gear, black shirts, tear gas masks, construction helmets, all that kind of thing. I'll insert the clip here. issue for a while I can see basically two ways that things could end well for Hong Kong one of them is much more probable than the other <laughs> the first one the more probable one 
is that Hong Kong manages to extend their independence until 2047 and until then that people continue to live with independence and then maybe that people who want to leave the country can do so safely but hopefully they can do that but the other prospect here if internationally perhaps America Canada maybe the UN would be able to step in here I have to say like hey so I guess at this point it's also important to talk about why Hong Kong is so important to China. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure you all know Hong Kong is a massive economic force. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. yes. Right. Hong Kong itself as a city and not even like, itself as a city ranks on the national GDP kind of table. Right. And mm-hmm. I I believe at least the top 20. Part of that reason is that in addition to being like a trading hub They have this standard that they've established with the U.S., where the U.S. and Hong Kong have promised to keep their exchange rate of money steady. Mm-hmm. A lot of things. So China wants to basically make use of that connection to be able to trade their Chinese yuan to an equal amount to the American dollar. I can go a little more into China growth. There are a lot of news networks that kind of cover this, but like it's not too publicized. For example, the Epoch Times, that's E P O C H Times. They have some YouTube videos that are very informative. You guys can look that up if you want. Interviews with Steve Bannon, who is with the U.S. government. They talk about how China is basically a national security threat to America because of some of the things they've done. One of those things is to like manipulate their own currency by like you know inflating it or decreasing it when they want. Mm-hmm. And like money laundering is very prevalent in their businesses because there's a lot of corruption that happens. So if they're able to print a lot of money and then trade that through Hong Kong for American dollars, that would be like free cash, actually printing yeah. real money. So there are theories that to, that's one of the reasons that China wants Hong Kong so badly. Mm-hmm. And of course, China. I think at this point, it's also worth pointing out why the Hong Kongers are so adamant on sticking to the streets. Is that they see some of these things happen in China? We've a lot of these things we've talked about already pretty bad. But you guys know about like the the Uyghur Muslims that have been kept in China. Not at all. No. Okay. Wasn't there a recent no. leak? I don't know anything, but I just know there's a leak about it. Yeah. Very good. There was a recent leak about it. Um, but aside from that, most people don't know about this at all. I had never heard about this until I started looking into China and Hong Kong. So the Uyghur Muslims, I think it's pronounced Uyghur. It's pronounced. It's spelled like U Y G H E R, which is really weird. But the Uyghur Muslims are basically originally from Kazakhstan, which shares a border with China, and they live around Kazakhstan or mm-hmm. close to that border. So what started this was, I believe, terrorist bombings by some Kazakh people, and China decided to crack down and create concentration camps, or mm-hmm. as they put it, re-education camps. Mm-hmm. Of course, a lot of us think of the Holocaust. Of course, when we talk about concentration camps,、mm-hmm. I believe it hasn't gotten to that atrocity yet. But there are a lot of similarities, which are scary. The line is being blurred.、Mm-hmm. Line is being blurred. There are reports of from some eyewitness accounts of some people who managed to make it out that people are being given injections and pills. They say this is for disease prevention, but that it's a lot more likely that these could be human experiments for these drugs. Oh. There was an, a report from someone who let's see if I have the name here, from a person called Sauti Bai or something. She was originally in one of those camps as a teacher. And here's the thing to note is that one of the things she would teach is to teach the inmates or the 
people were interred there to recite communist kind of like propaganda cool. like oh xi jinping is so great uh-huh. and like sing communist party songs and that kind of thing kind of like brainwashing have any of you read george orwell's 1984 mm-hmm. mm. So that book has a lot of, you know, similarities to how they try to spread propaganda, yeah. brainwashing, that kind of thing. It's scarily similar to how they do that. So they have those camps, and this teacher, because she was more important, she was told, oh, there are these pills that are for d- disease prevention. Don't eat them. They're actually bad for you. So why are the prisoners being given this, these pills is the question. And the answer is, who knows? Maybe it's human experiments. There's no conclusive proof, but it's very suspicious. So more about these camps. Have you guys heard of live organ harvesting in China? I've heard it referenced a little bit. Yeah, tell me a little about what you know. No, no like I. Have you heard it mentioned? Yeah. Just like only, only like more. It was like okay. It's worth pointing out that Israel has banned people getting transplants from China. Oh. Because one surgeon, in one instance, here, uh, let's think about this for a moment. Someone needs a heart transplant. Right. Mm-hmm. You can't just donate a heart. Right? It doesn't just come from thin air. You find right. the person who's closest to death, exactly. who is an organ donor, and you hope that there is enough time to save the heart and transfer it to wherever the hospital. Just like Jackie said, you have to wait for someone who is an organ donor and is close to death. And usually you have to get there within 24 hours. You get a notification and you have to fly to that hospital or they fly the heart over to you. Mm-hmm. So one Israeli surgeon had a patient tell him, oh, I've scheduled an, an appointment one month in to go to China and get a heart transplant. And that guy's like, wait, you, are, you have a, an appointment to get a heart transplant? <laughs> so this raised a lot of red flags for the Israeli, for that surgeon. And eventually, they've learned that there are basically organ harvesting facilities in China where they do just that. They, there are some reports that there are some concentration camps where there is, a, they built cremation facilities next to them. Mm. So like, think about that for a moment. You have concentration camps. Of course, people are going to die, but are you going to build a cremation center next to that? Like, what reason? I think it's related to organ harvesting. Mm-hmm. Organ harvesting, obviously, is very lucrative. You, one organ, if you want a heart, you know, that's going to cost a lot of money to the, to the tune of like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. The Uyghur Muslims are not the only group that's targeted by China because they're ideologically different. There's one, I think, kind of religion kind of thing called Falun Gong, I believe. Oh, which, Falun Gong? Yes, okay. you've heard of it. The listeners who don't know what it means, what it... Falun Gong is kind of like a culty religion. <clears throat> I know one of my aunt got into it and like nothing good came out of it and then she quit. It's kind of, it's one of those religions where you don't hear about on the daily. But they exist, and there isn't. I don't really know the objective of what they're doing, but they manage to gather up a lot of people. Yeah, I think they have some good values. I don't recall off the top of my head. They have some virtues they try to stand up to. I don't know what other cultish things they may be up to. The but... closest things like Buddhism. Yes, probably. Uh, and to that point, Tibetan monks have been targeted by the Chinese government as well. Um, so Falun Gong has a lot of practitioners who report being like abducted or having family members taken from them. Yeah, there's a lot of research you can do independently, a lot more detailed stories you can go into. But basically, it's also linked to this organ harvesting thing. And these are some of the reasons that the HK protesters have been so adamant onto keeping their own independence. I guess I have a question for you guys. You've seen 
the Molotov cocktail is thrown in the protesters. You've heard news that some of the protesters have set, you know, government supporters on fire in one case. If they discover an undercase or undercover policeman, they've beaten them before. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's unfair to say that the protesters are completely in the right. I believe they've taken some violent actions as well. My question to you guys is when do you think is it okay for a people to use violence back against a tyrannic government? What do you guys think? Well I think it, obviously it's not going to be the same for every situation but to an extent in my mind i think when you're and again this is a very big gray area and obviously that creates a lot of discussion for moments like this but there's risk to be held for the person so say for example in this case if there's there's risk for people in hong kong or people from hong kong their safety their well-being if they're worried about being physically harmed that to an extent may may cause for retaliation of some kind but then again, it's where do you draw the line of when should we say violence is okay ever? You know what I mean? Yeah, that for sure. Like, that's been a point of big debate. I've also struggled with that, like, whether or not their actions are right. But it's definitely understandable of how they've been provoked by the Chinese government to this mm-hmm. point. We've talked a lot about things happening outside Hong Kong. I'd like to share a little about, like, what's happening inside Hong Kong as well, besides the protests. Okay. So, even back in 2014, there were some reports that gangs such as the triads in Hong Kong were hired basically to attack protesters. Oh. This happened in one case too in these protests where a bunch of young men in white shirts and clubs showed up in a train station and started beating protesters and people called the police right? Conveniently enough the closest two police stations were closed. No police showed up until 30 minutes later and no arrests were made that day. All really suspicious things. There are rumors that one Hong Kong government official was seen shaking the hand of some of these people in some other place. Mm -hmm. So there's a big possibility of a collusion between the triads, like basically a Chinese mafia, and Hong Kong, you can say the Communist Party. And I guess to go back to with the violence, I think I look at it as a standpoint of like a military or soldier fighting for their freedom. Like, yeah, there's people literally out there every day fighting so we can have freedom to do whatever we want in America. And then I feel like democracy is the equivalent for Hong Kong people where I might be a little bit biased. Just like growing up in a communist for like a couple of years, I was pretty brainwashed. I didn't really get to think for myself. It was it was really integrated in everything I learned and just like part of my life growing up. I feel like Hong Kongese people are very prone to the threat. They're they're like really facing seeing the threat and there's really no point for them to live if they're gonna be fully controlled by the government and every single action, every single post, every single tweet, or every single comment they make that could overnight they could disappear. You're not really living life to its fullest. Right? For sure. To any extent really, if you're being controlled to that, that that amount. Yeah, and like Jackie says, like part of the reason like he talked about people like their hope for the future. Part of the reason I first got emotionally invested into this was seeing seeing interviews with people on the streets, seeing these young people who are basically our age and younger. Like uh, interviewers asking them, news reporters asking them, have you ever thought about like, do you think you'll be hurt? Do you think you'll be killed? And they're like, yeah, we've considered that possibility. We know we might die out on these streets. And like, but we know that we're standing for something that's worth standing for. And, these young people are able to stand out on the streets every day despite that fear because of this, because of what they stand for. A lot of the older generation echo this sentiment, although many of them are not on the front lines. They do feel bad for 
As one taxi cab driver puts it, these young people are shouldering the burden we've been ignoring for our own comfort for the longest time. And what this has resulted in is, as you can see, the big support from the people for the democratic push, as well as there are people who support the protesters. A lot of the families of the protesters, you think about this, they are high schoolers, they are college-age students. What do you think their parents think about this? Their parents, you know, they're very worried for their safety. This has led to a lot of splits in families where the protesters move out of their homes because their parents do not want them to allow, do not want their kids to endanger themselves, of course. Mm, right. So there are a lot of people who support this, support this cause. They open their homes up to protesters. Mm. They help donate food. A lot of people, taxi cab drivers or workers alike, uh, they set up channels to help the protesters travel to one place to another. So there are a lot of like, taxi cab drivers, not even taxi cab drivers, just people, anyone with a car. <laughs> they, because they want to support the thing, but they don't want to be on the street themselves. Right. They don't have that. They, they support it in other ways. Yeah. Right. Like after work, they'll just go and ferry people back and forth between protest sites. Because one of the protests, or one of the protests, one of their ideologies is to be water. And that manifests itself in a couple ways. Be water, to be flexible, mm -hmm. to be able to flow. So when protests, or when the police cracks down, they'll be able to dissolve back and to travel to other places. And then reset back up their camps there. Be like ice, like be hard, push your, push your ideas and that kind of thing. Wow. I guess like Bruce Lee is really good. He was... The forefather of that. Right? Exactly. They got their ideas from the Bruce Lee kind of ideas. And to just kind of sum it up, like with all these things that are happening, how can us as people who have insane amount of freedom in America or in the state help them with this mm -hmm. whole protest? And also just to follow that, it's very easy for people living in the United States to get into the idea of, well... Well, it's far far away from me. It's not something mm -hmm. I need to worry about. It's not it's not relevant to my life. Why is this a conversation we need to be having here in the United States with our friends, the average college student? Why is it Why is it important? Yeah. Um. So the answer to that is China has been trying to extend its reach not only to Hong Kong, but we believe to like a lot of other places in the world. And if you check the news, something very exciting has happened recently, and that's one Chinese spy has defected and been revealing secrets to the Australian intelligence. His name is like William Wang. He's given accounts of how he's helped the Chinese Communist Party reach its hand into basically Taiwan and that they have operatives in other countries such as Australia as well. There have been other defectors that have said things to the same effect that China has connections in Interpol, in France, in the US, of course, America also has secret agents around the world, right, right. but given China's ruthlessness and their apparent disregard for moral rights, it's a lot more alarming to us. So to your question of why it's important to us, it's that as Hong Kong's, as a lot of Hong Kong people have been trying to spread, China's trying to reach its arm out. If they take us, mm. the rest of the world might be next. Mm. Yeah. So if we don't stop China here, this sends China. Stones. Yeah, it sends China a big message that no one's gonna stop them from trying to take over other places as well. So right. Taiwan especially is very concerned about this next step, and who knows where China might go from there. So that's one area that we why we should be worried. Another reason we should be worried is that this neglect from the Chinese government, and I can argue, and 
the Epoch Times has also talked about this, how this could be intentional from the Chinese government, spreading or making the opioid crisis in America worse. As you know, there have been millions of people who have been victims of the opioid crisis in America, and almost all of these drugs are coming from China. Chinese officials are pretending, are saying they're working with us, but they're really not. They're allowing this lucrative thing to keep happening. So that's another area why we should be concerned. And so for what we can do, I've basically thought of three different things that we as people privileged in America could do. The first thing is that we can make ourselves more well informed of this topic and to actively tell people around us of what's happening around the world and why we should be aware of these and why it's important to us because it could in the future come back to bite our asses. So yeah, that's one thing. So that one thing can help the two other things that we can do. And one of those things is to support the Hong Kong protesters through financial donations. There are sites, be careful which sites you donate to because scams are out there, PSA. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, be careful. But yeah, there are organizations who buy supplies, gear, food, drinks for supporters, just like general necessities. Right. Because a lot of them are moving out of their own houses, as I've mentioned, and I assume a lot of them have been giving up work to be on the streets. Right. Supporting them financially directly in that case is one option. Another option would be to write to your representatives, give them a call, sign petitions, let your congressmen know. In America, we have the democratic power. However much we may take this for granted, it is a force that we can make use of and that we should because we have that power. Very cool. Well, thank you very much for sharing all this with us. Uh, thank you it, for having me. Yeah, it's, it's really, it, it's an important conversation to have. I think just for our listeners to have some insight and some from someone who's obviously done uh, quite a bit of research, and it's <laughs> mm-hmm. it's just it's awesome to have you here. Yeah, thank you, really thank is, you, yeah. thank you so much, Theo. And guys, don't slack. And you see what happened back when Germany trying to like take over Poland. We don't want this to happen to us. So we have to take action now, or we'll face the consequences. And if I ever disappear. You know where I'm going. <laughs> oh, oh no! And to finish off, uh, with every interviewee, we, we like to have them or give them the opportunity to ask us any, just a single question that they have. Uh, it could be relating to the topic, or it could be anything in general. Hmm. So as you may know, uh, USA signed the Hong Kong Act for Human Rights. What actions do you expect the U.S. to take in this scenario? What do you think would be, be the optimal choice for either the protesters or the U.S. government for Hong Kong at this stage? It's probably the hardest question we've been asked so far. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> and, I mean, if you can't come up with an answer now. These are hard questions for sure. I, I think that'd be a good question for us to kind of think about and digest a little bit. Yeah, what, yeah. Are, what are some things you think, what are some optimal outcomes you could see happening? I think what something's really good is U.S. actually gets the U.N. to make, take some action. I kind of noticed that, like, with recent China's uprising in their financial world, their GDP, they kind of just rule over a lot of countries. Like, they they loan a lot of money to the Africa. Yeah. It's like, the whole country is growing a lot, and guess who has about to pay the debt? It's the people in Africa, and I feel like... It could be really scary if people don't really see the red flags, or and just especially the UN. And I feel like it doesn't matter which country, even America, they should be monitored somehow. 
it's very unfair to just the humanity if one just bullies someone else because one they're smaller two because they have like no resources to defend themselves and i feel like that's just something can everyone can do to help yeah but definitely like my answer is far from that there's still a lot to be digested and for sure thank you for asking us that tough question that was good Thank you guys for listening, and thank you again to Theo for coming on and, and sharing this information with us. If you have any questions, feel free to contact us, us or uh, if you see Theo around campus, I'm sure he would love to have a conversation with you about this. Oh, definitely. Do you want to drop an email? My email? Should I drop my school email? Sure, sure, yeah. That works. C-H-A-U-T-1 at spu.edu. Very cool. Well, thank you again, and we will catch you guys next time on the next episode of the Spoonami Podcast. And it will be about, wait for it, 